louder! the pod that sticks you deep i'm the pod boss tj bowser and joining me as always is the maestro of mayhem the dawn of disaster the man himself mr nick benson how are you doing man i haven't seen you in a little while it's been it's been a thing <laughs> yes it has totally been a thing it's been a, it's been a while and we here with season two and yeah. we got a special guest today but of course i will let you introduce him as always nick go ahead we do, we do, for sure. This gentleman I worked with on my first effects film, my first gig in effects, Night of the Demons, I met this gentleman, but he has a much longer career than just that. And I want to welcome Mr. Hal Havens. Hey, how's it going, Nick? How's it going, Hal? And how you doing, TJ? <laughs> so he's he's here. He's he's just okay. the ghost in the background for now. He'll I'm sure he'll pop in and out. All right. So um, tell us a little bit about, I, I don't know how much of the show you know about with, with how our format works, but I think I sent you something to check out earlier. You did. Uh, you did. Just to no, kind of get familiar with it. it. Yeah. I mean, it's not, this isn't just about careers. It's about people. So I want to get to yeah. the core of like, before you and I met, like there was a whole story about how and how you got there. If you could kind of take us back on that path from whether it's a, you know, a child childhood memory or whatever, and bring us up to your, your career in film, what led you there? Uh, it's, I, I always wanted to do it since I was a child. I think I've told this story before in other places, but when I was a kid, you know, they kind of do the same thing. Now they have a lot of afternoon um talk shows and they used to you know for a long time they didn't they were out of vogue but when i was a kid a lot of afternoon talk shows and they all had stand-ups on them right and of course my mom watched the soaps so before i went to school you know i'd see all this daytime tv and i would go into the bathroom and reenact <laughs> the scenes from the soaps or what i heard the stand-ups doing and i don't know how long i did this but I was, I was too young to be able to look into the mirror. It was too right. tall. <laughs> and I still remember the day vividly that I could see the top of my hair in the mirror finally. <laughs> so I don't know how long I was doing that, but it was for quite a long time. Yeah. And that, I just always wanted to do it. And then uh, I didn't. Of course, I got kind of, you know, shy as a youngster. And so I didn't for a long time. And then got into high school. And I actually got talked into taking the theater by a friend of mine who he had to take an elective English class. So he was in theater and he's like, I will be in here with all those dudes, man, all those people, all those weirdos. So why don't you take the class with me? So I'm <laughs> like, all right, I'll take the class with you. I had, I had to take an elective too. Very first day in the class, he tells the teacher to F off. Oh, geez. <laughs> she throws him out. He looks at me like, well, come on, bro. And I'm like, yeah, later. <laughs> and I never left. Yeah. So you, that's, you, that's kind of the condensed version of my story. 
Yeah, in a way, you were drawn to it then, right? So I was. I was always drawn to it. It was just like uh, there's an aspect of my personality that doesn't want to be me. Yeah. You know? And it's like Belushi used to say that the only reason he was any good on stage is because it was the only place in the world that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And I, I kind of relate to that. It's like that's where I have my my feet under me firmly, you know? Well, I think that's kind of where we all are, right? Like that's what gets us there is we we feel we find a place that we feel like we belong. And yeah. and sort of grab onto it and try and try to work with everything we've got to do it. So um, you know, I, I completely understand that. And then exactly. like I think we all do. I think it's just, you know, you either, you know, you either attach to this stuff emotionally or you don't. And right. if you don't, you don't survive it. Right. Because it's too much of a struggle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's not it's not the easiest business to fall into, but you know, um it's a lot of hard work, but I think that in a in a strange way, and I've said this probably a hundred times, maybe more. Um, that for me, uh, you know, even as an artist, it's the largest collaborative art there is, is filmmaking. And it takes it every, every artist in that is in their specialty, whether it's sound or lighting or acting or whatever, it takes all of us doing a cohesive effort to create that piece of art. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I've always been drawn to it too. Yeah, exactly. No part of it is more important than any other part. Because right. Every piece is necessary to make it work. Right. Except maybe the director. That might be the most important. <laughs> Somebody's got to have the vision that puts it all together. Right. <laughs> so, so in high school, you were in this drama class. Did you do like a bunch of plays, and did you did you get any early early work like commercials or anything? No, I didn't do any. I, I did no film and television then. I started doing plays and um, okay, continued to do plays through college, and then after college, started doing. Uh, local theater mm -hmm. and um, uh, I don't know maybe two years of that and right. I ended up in Los Angeles and uh, that was it you know Demons was like my second job really yeah okay so what was I the first what I did before that what would you do right before that I don't remember I just said so let's see I think it might have been WizKids. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think it was WizKids because you had you have Street Hawk on here too, but I don't know if that was Street Hawk was after. Was it? I think so. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, WizKids. WizKids. WizKids looks like it's the first, but you have you have so many different, uh, you know, from TV shows to fi to film that. Like it's it's pretty diverse, so you're kind of jumping, jumping around doing a lot of different things. Yeah, I was, I, I've been lucky, you know. I mean, the, I probably could have been more focused on acting, yeah. which I should have been. But you know, the, the problem, my problem is, I love this industry. Yeah, and so I never. It's just like as long as I was involved in working, I was happy. Yeah. Right. I never went. Oh, I got to get more auditions, or I mean, I've said that. But it's like if I was, you know, I, I spent as much time, more time in production than I was, did in acting. And I didn't care. Wow. As long as I was, as long as I was a grinding out product, I was a happy guy. Right. 
you know? Well, I would have, I'll be honest. I would have never guessed that demons was only your second gig because you, you really kind of immerse yourself in the character. Like you were stooge. Oh, thank you. And, but and, you know, I had done like, I don't know, 40 or 50 plays by then. Well, yeah. So I, I'd had a decent amount of work. Right. So you knew how to pull yourself into something. Is there anything in particular that helps you do that? I mean, there's there's people you mean that in use, general. Yeah, different ideals altogether. You have method actors. You have this. You have that. You, well, don't, yeah. seem, you in, don't seem like that. In to general, me. yeah, I, I I'm an adherent of Stanislavski's technique, <laughs> right. and um, that's what I teach as right. well. Um, I've taught pretty much since I've been in LA. I was I became a teacher. Oh, that's in, great. Uh, the mid '80s. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Stanislavski. I think. Every other technique you hear of is a derivative of that, whether mm -hmm. they want to admit it or not. Mm -hmm. The method is a derivative of Stanislavski. Right. Uh, some people kind of use the term interchangeably, but yeah. uh, it's very different. They're, they're two different techniques, but the actor's studio is getting closer and closer to the kind of the original concept of Stanislavski. Okay. So, yeah, that's what I, that's, that's my whole thing. That's what keeps me going. Right. As far as an artist, you know. And you you enjoy teaching as well? I love teaching. Yeah. It took me a long time to really love teaching. Yeah. Because I could never, you know, most students aren't, you know, I'm I'm kind of an obsessive nut when it comes to acting. And most students aren't quite as obsessive as me. So right. it's like they don't understand when I say, you know, it takes every minute of every day. You vote your mind's always gotta be on it. Sure. You know, and, and you always it's like you always filter your world, your life through your artist existence. Right. Right. And and if you don't do that, you're failing yourself and your art. And Absolutely. It, it's hard to find students that are that that uh, crazy. <laughs> and what happened was I don't I think it's I don't think the word should be crazy. I just think it's invested. Obsessive. You know? They have you to know, be dedicated. invested in dedicated it. is the word. Dedicated is is yeah. You have to be dedicated, but you got to be pretty invested in the work if you're if you're going to do a good job, you know. Well, any art form, well, anything in life. If you want to be great at anything in life, you yeah. have to be obsessive about it, basically. Absolutely. You know, and and what happened was I I kind of stopped teaching um, beginner actors and I started only teaching professionals. Okay. And that made my life a lot easier because they they wanted to do the work as much as I did. Right. So, you know, you, you, you had that level of dedication already instilled. Right. You didn't have to try to teach that. Love. Yeah. You don't have to like do a sales pitch kind of thing that, you know, you know, you don't, you want to be in this, you want to, you know, you don't have to spend all your time on that. Exactly. Cause you can't teach love. No, you, you just can't do it. You either love no. it or you don't. And one of the problems is it's a tough life. Like we talked about in the very beginning. Yeah. You know, it's a difficult existence and you have to, you know, one, one of the things that I kind of focus on throughout the term that I'll teach is how to stay healthy as an artist, how to yeah. be, you know, my age and still be a happy artist. Yeah. You know, you go you go through 30, 40 years of getting whacked in the side of the head to yeah. get any kind of life out of this business. Yeah. And you want to be as healthy and happy as you can be when you're done is when you start it. And yeah, I think you, you have I, to focus on that. 
Absolutely. But, and I think I think most people that aren't even aren't in this business, the way to relate to that is like imagine going to job interviews and constantly being told you're not you're not good enough. I mean, that's exactly. really that's really kind of what actors deal with is like they constantly go on these job interviews and they're told, oh, you're not good enough. We're going to use this guy. So yeah, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of and it's that way even for special effects artists like myself you know i mean exactly. we go through the that people in this industry are the only people that want to have a job interview every week yeah yeah like nobody else wants to go through this crap and that's no. usually what i tell people they say how do you become an actor i say go to computer school yeah that's where the money is yeah go learn to make the next apple product and then yeah. you'll be a happy happy person but if you have to do this then i can show you how to do it but yeah you have to have to have to do it you got to have that have to do it it's not worth it yeah and at the end of the day that's kind of what this is all about it's about our passion and what drives us and that's what the show is exactly. about you know and that's what's exciting about it yeah you know that's the whole thing that sense of discovery that that it gives your it gives your passion some place to go and you have that sense of discovery on top of it every time you achieve something else artistically you get you're like a five-year-old it's been yeah. given a new candy, you know. You're like you're just thrilled with life. I agree. And if you do it right, and, you get and you that want over more. and over and over again. Yeah, and you want more, and you want the next one to be bigger and better. And exactly, it's, it's like you keep wanting to grow that, so to speak. Exactly. No, so, it's a, it's yeah. an it's an amazing awesome. life. It's it's really there's a lot of value in this life. Yeah, truly. Obviously, it is difficult, but it's it's pretty wonderful. There's nothing better, as far as I'm concerned. Right. So do you remember anything post demons? Like I, I kind of like, we just really reconnected like in the last year, like that was, yeah, exactly. that, you know, so we hadn't seen each other in one of 35 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I, I, I've, I've seen what you've done, but I, I don't know chronologically where you went specifically after demons. So to Alf. chronologically, it's funny because, I was trying to think of, there was a strange audition, you know, I was watching, what is yeah. that? Oh, there you go. Okay. There is you and Alf, actually. There you go. Look at that little 12-year-old boy there. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, where did he go? Yeah. But I was starting to think, you know, you, the piece you sent me, something made me think about auditions and and how how they can be, Oh, I remember the person you were interviewing talked about an audition that they thought went bad that went well. And one of them popped into my head that was, you know, one of mine popped into my head. And for the life of me, I know I booked a job. I have no idea what the job was. Right. I have no idea. I just, I, I was like, man, it's a good story. I should tell that story. What was it? <laughs> uh, I only remember the audition. I don't remember shooting the job. Yeah. Let's just well, say it, let's thing, just you know, say it was silk stockings, okay? Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was well after that one. Oh, uh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> That's what happens well when we get old. That, that, that was a that was there's a funny story attached with that. Um we were shooting that down in San Diego. And I think it was down there for four or five days. It wasn't that long. Yeah. I think it was a little less than a week or maybe a full week. My wife had had a surgery. And, uh, you know, she needs someone to help her. So I was shooting it. And then I'd wait for everybody to roll into their hotel rooms and I'd jump in my car and I'd drive home. 
to Los Angeles, take oh. care of her, come back, shoot again, go back the next night. And uh, I got caught on the last day. Oh. <laughs> and they were pretty pissed. How long have you been doing this? Uh, pretty much every night. <laughs> uh, they were pretty upset. And the weird thing about it was when I went back to um, San Diego to shoot years later, um, well, I, maybe it was before, um, slime ball. I had the same thing happen. I'd let everybody get in their hotel rooms. I'd sneak back to L.A., take care yeah. of her. She had the same surgery twice is what happened. And, uh, the, you know, neck surgery. It's like once you have a neck surgery, oh yeah, that's it. You keep having them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I thought that was funny. Especially when I got busted. Yeah. I never got busted on um, sorority babes, though. Well, they can't fault you for doing that, so. Well, they can. Yeah. It's kind uh, of yeah. First I mean, off, they... we're spending a lot of money on a hotel for you. Secondly, yeah. you're supposed to be here to work, not running around, dicking yeah. around in the middle of the night on the freeway. <laughs> so some of our uh, yeah. Walking Dead listeners might recognize you from the Fear the Walking Dead series. You were able to do uh, two episodes on that. Do you have any good stories yeah. from that? Yeah, I was Rancher Bob. That was, yes, that, was great <laughs> that was a great gig down in uh, Rosarita Beach in Mexico. And I was down there for, I don't know how many weeks, but it was several weeks just to do both because of the way the schedule worked out. So I spent a lot of time just lounging on the beach. It was very nice. And well, that's, uh, that's cool. <laughs> you know what? People like that show. There's, there's a lot of folks that... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know who Rancher Bob is. It was like, if you blink, you missed me. <laughs> but uh, no, it was a, it was a good one, and it was a, it was a great job to work. There, you know, most jobs are great to work because mm -hmm. production teams are so professional, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but that one really, they were a good unit. They've been. This was the third season. They're already kind of locked in together and. It, it it was just like every day was a breeze. Every so day was just. You've had a pretty diverse career uh, between television and, <laughs> and film. Uh, which one do you prefer shooting? I like film because it takes longer and you get paid more. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. you know, they always say, what, what's the good job? The good job is the one where the check clears. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you depend on it, you know, for your, for your livelihood, you just want to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, too, it really, you can read a script and you go, oh, I hate this character. I mean, if you hate the script, if you hate the material, you're kind of in a pinch. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you read it and go, I just can't stand this character. I can't see doing it. And you work on it for a couple of days and you're in love with it. Once yeah. you're emotionally invested in it, you're in love with it in the story. Right. And you'll, you'll, you'll do it for the rest of your life if they let you. Have you encountered you know? so uh, that I really specific don't situation? Have a preference. What? Have you encountered that specific situation? Where, where I've hated characters? Yes, and then you grew to like them later on. All the time, because I play a lot of really <laughs> shitty people. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, the first time I did it, uh, the first time I ran into that uh, was uh, in college, actually. I'm trying to think of the, oh, it was the last meeting of the Knights of the White Magnolia, which was basically a play about a, a small clan group. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I hated that character. <laughs> Couldn't stand that guy. 
but by the time I was done, you know, I had it wired and yeah, I had to find that, you know, piece of me that, that, that let me do that material, you know? Yeah. So over and over and over again, you're, I mean, especially if you play these kind of characters, you know, if you're a character guy, you're always going to end up playing ratty kind of characters, you know? And the truth is they're actually more fun. They're more challenging and they do more interesting stuff. You know, heroes are boring. They're just pretty. Oh yeah. You know, it takes a fat guy to get in there and really dig it out. (laughs) Put on a pig nose and make a memorable character. (laughs) What'd you say? Oh, to put on a pig nose and make a memorable character. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, man. You got you, 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 you need your pig nose for every character. Absolutely. Everything you do, you got to have your pig nose. You have to have <laughs> that one thing that makes it just a little bit different, a little bit weird. Yeah. And uh, whether it comes out of you or it comes out of, you know, a plastic novelty bag, take what you can get. Benson says you still rock the pig nose from time to time. <laughs> What's that? Benson Vincent said that rocks the pig nose. You do. Yeah, you <laughs> you know, that was one of his early gigs too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so hopefully the pig nose is a good memory. It absolutely is. Awesome. You know, it's 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 funny because because talking to you about all of this brings back memories of being there. And like I said, I did I never would have guessed that that was your second film gig, but at the same time. Uh, thinking about what you're, what you've just been saying, um, you know, it's it, he, he, as Stooge, like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole, but he's a really lovable asshole. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you hope so. You know, you can't make, you can't play anybody a hundred percent evil, unless yeah. you know it's some kind of almost fictional evil character. He's very relatable. Yeah, yeah. everybody probably. knows a Stooge. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, you I know, did. I think that was one of the reasons people like Damon's is there was it was such a big cast, right? Yeah. And yeah. the characters were really archetypes, right? Yeah. So it was like for everyone, there was a character to like. There was a yeah, character sure. ident- to identify with. You yeah, know? all relatable. Exactly. You know, and it's like it doesn't matter who you were, you were gonna find one person out of the nine sure. that you you kind of identified with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons people like the film. Other than that, you know, it's funny. Yeah. But um, so, and it's a well done film. I mean, oh, David Lewis really, they did an amazing job. And then you guys, with you know, that was kind of in the waning days, really, of practical effects. You know, that was yeah. kind of like almost the goodbye to practical effects. And you guys really knocked it out of the park, you went above and beyond, especially for the budget you had. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was very, very fortunate to be, you know, on Steve's crew, and and that was. That was even a blessing for me because I hadn't done anything like that before. And I happened to be roommates with Steve and I was doing stuff on a stage show with my band. And and Steve just one day out of the blue said, hey, do you want to come make Rubber Monsters? I'm going to open my own shop. I'm going to do this film, Night of the Demons. And you want to come, you know, make some monsters? And I was like, uh, and get paid for it? <laughs> oh, yes. So... You know, that's really how that started for me. And it's, you know, it's very fond memories of that. And I was very nervous kid, but, you know, I was just floored at the level of stuff that Steve could do for next to nothing. Yeah. You know, so that was was, one of the, at that point in time, it was one of my favorite places that I ever walked into. Yeah. With that, that uh, shop. 
Yeah. Uh, he had just done, you, you, you reminded me the other day we were talking about it, and you reminded me of whatever underwater movie he did. Abyss? Uh, the Abyss. I always say the yeah. wrong one. Because there was two that came out about the That's same That's a James time. Cameron movie, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And he did. Um, he he built a bunch of these under these these super deep underwater creatures mm-hmm. that lived at you know lower levels. And if you remember, they were clear gelatin. Yep. Well, and they were clear, and they were lit with these blue lights in the yeah. film. And when I walked in there, they were all sitting on a shelf. Yeah. Oh. And they looked exactly like they look in the film. That's rad. Yeah. And it was incredible. I was just like. I wanted to steal one so bad. Did you? <laughs> Did you? I, I should send you. There's a, so there was a love-hate relationship with that movie, and and Steve had a big love-hate relationship with it. He he said yes to everything, but hated it in the process because you know Cam, Cameron is really not the easiest guy to work for, but mm. he knows what he wants and he's done effects. He, he has the visual background, so mm-hmm. you know Jim gets what Jim wants. Yeah, so, sure. so well, I remember I there's the a video floating around work. YouTube. There's a video floating around a, a YouTube, and you'd probably hate seeing this. He takes one of Steve takes one of those creatures and bashes it on the concrete at the shop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve, he 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 expresses himself absolutely. <laughs> and why not? You know, that's that's part of what this industry is that. Uh, a lot of us that really don't fit in most other places fit here. Yeah. Yeah. This is where we get to be the rock stars is, is where we, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's interesting that you teach because I've just recently started speaking. I've spoken at a couple of universities to film students Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, like one of the, one of the most recent things I did was I went with Brian Usna and we did a, a, a thing with the university in Texas and speaking to the students, it, it's interesting because they all ask, like, how did you know when, when you wanted to do what you wanted to do? And and for me, it was like, well, I took several turns before I really uh-huh. grounded myself in something. Yeah. Like, I started out as a film editor. Like, I was an apprentice film editor. And then I made a right turn and did sound for a little while. And then I, you know, I went and had the band and stuff. And, and then all of a sudden, Steve's asking me to make monsters. And I'm like, oh, hell yes. So <laughs> you never really know where you're going to kind of going to land. But, but I, all I could tell those kids was try everything, try everything. You got to know the process anyway. So once you know the yeah. processes and you find what you want to do, you, it, you'll, you'll literally attach yourself to that. But see, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier was that yeah. I loved it all. So I didn't care. I, I could be drafting contracts for commercials. Yeah. And I was just as happy as I was on screen. Maybe yeah. not quite as artistically fulfilled, but as long as I was creating a second AD, location manager. I mean, I did everything other than operate a film camera. Right. I mean, that's the only job I think I never had. Right. Um, and one of the big reasons for that is I'm colorblind. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just I, I, I just love the industry. And like any place I landed, I was happy. If right. anybody asked me to do anything, I said yes, you know, and 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 I loved it so much. A lot of times I did it for free. Yeah, I just show up. Sure, what do you need? And it's just, yeah, you um, do some except for acting. I, I, I didn't act for free. <laughs> <laughs> I, that. 
So I got a, a question for you. So you worked with Kevin Tenney, of course, on Night of the Demons, and then you did a follow-up film the year after with uh, Witch Trap. What was Correct. it like going on set for a second time with Kevin, and do you have any good stories from that? Kevin is about my favorite director that I've ever worked with. Oh, okay. He is always calm. He's always positive. Yeah. Like nothing ever rattles him. I only saw him get angry once on a set, and he was so calm as he was angry and I was the only one that saw him because mm-hmm. um, it was a private conversation was happening. And they just happened to walk where I was sitting. And uh, when he was done, Kevin walked over to me and said, don't tell anybody. And walked ah. <laughs> <laughs> but he just is. He's always that kind of calm, cool, collected guy. And so you stay calm and cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the one thing about acting is you have to always be in an even keel. You can't be worked up. It is so hard to do good work if you're in a chaotic state of mind. You know what I mean? And uh, that's like, you know, one of the most amazing things I ever saw was on another film. Um, This girl was having problems with her boyfriend. They had broken up. And uh, she showed up on uh, to shoot one day and she was sitting there crying. And I was like, what's the matter? Her boyfriend had kicked in her front door when we were shooting the night before, oh, stole yeah. her dog, and took it to Texas. Oh, geez. She was completely freaked out. And you know what she did that day? She worked. Mm-hmm. She kept shooting. She didn't complain. She focused, focused, and she did her job. And, like, that was one of the most amazing things I ever saw. Yeah. Because I'd be driving to Texas to shoot somebody at that point. she was just there focused and ready to work and it's like that's what it takes you have to be able to have that kind of mindset and that's one of the reasons you know is being a crew member that's that's there for a lot of times in contact with artists you don't let actors know when something's going wrong no because you know if you upset their mindset the next take is going to suck yeah yeah and it's always about the next take that's what we're all focused on yeah, there's there's a flow, and then even if that flow gets broken, you have to just keep pushing forward and not look at exactly. What, what, what I like to say is work in the solution, not in the problem. It's man, you that's know? a good that's a good saying. I like that. I'll steal yeah. that. Throw it on a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, that's a good point. And this, but it's like the crew is always like that. Never let the actors know when something's going wrong. Yeah, I mean everything could be burning down behind the set and you just don't tell actors because mm-hmm. we're all fragile and feeble and uh again we, we have to have 100 percent focus to work yeah you if you're if you're defocused focus. you can't you can't give the 110 percent you need to give to the character exactly exactly so but yeah kevin i mean to go back to him he's just he's really a great captain of the ship and uh you know i i think he's probably out of everything I've done, he's probably, and probably because he was the earliest too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. So he kind of set the bar for me, and yeah. I was like, "Well, that's what you—that's how you behave if you're a director. Right. That's who you are." And so, except the one thing I—he drive me up a wall was if you do a take and you're not sure about it, and you go, "How was it?" Kevin would always go, "It's art." That was the standard <laughs> answer. It's art. Shut up. Do it again. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah so always, unless you're really off the beam, he wouldn't give you a lot of um, a lot of acting direction. He wanted you uh-huh. to kind of find it. He's, and, you know, rightly so. It's your job to show up. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's not his job to teach you how to do your job. Absolutely. Well, so. I think he too, like wanted you to sort of find that take that you identify with it the most rather than him deciding. And then he can go through after that and decide where he thinks that it looks the best or the most. Yeah, convenient. but there's the universal rule that we all hate our own work. Yes, I know. And, and that's that's, that, we've, me about that we've covered that too. so many times as artists. We're all our own worst critics. So we need that. Exactly. We need that other person to say, no, man, it looks great. Like yeah. I've, told, I've told tons of people the story about this sculpture that I destroyed. My wife kept saying, I love that. Don't dare. Don't touch it. And one day I was just like, oops, it fell. because you know, I didn't want to look at it anymore. And she was kind of mad at me for a little while about that. But that's, you know, that's a very similar was. type I mean, thing, you know. You know, I don't think you have the right to destroy your own work. I really don't. <laughs> Um, Say I that to my recycling bin. Right. We're, kind of, we're caretakers of our own work. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's and and, and I've learned, I have learned to sort of accept what I've done for what it is, and mm -hmm. and it was it was another step in the next direction, rather than yeah. That's the thing too. The, you the know, flaws are a part of it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, and for us, luckily enough, as actors, a lot of the time the flaws are the best part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, the things that, you know, you think, oh, it happened, it was a mistake. You fixing that mistake is much more interesting than what you're going to do originally. 100%. Yeah. Right. No, right. um, to, get, to get back to it, yeah, you got to be responsible for your own work and you kind of have to steward it. Kevin Tenney likes to tell a story about, uh, he was doing a Q&A. I think it was about Witch Trap, actually. Mm. And uh, they were asking him questions. And at some point, he's, you know, because we all do it, kind of do self-depreciating humor. And he started beating up on the project a little bit. And he kind of noticed the audience was turning on him. Mm. And that's when the light bulb kind of went off in his head. And he's like, you know, these people, they like your work. And if yeah. they like your work and you bag on it, you're bagging on them. Yeah. Uh -huh. And they take it personally. Yeah. And I never did it again. I never used self-depreciating humor again. Mm -hmm. Not when it came to the work. I'll beat myself up all the time for fun, but not when it comes to work and, and not when it comes to appreciating that, you know, fans like your work. Yeah. 100%. And Kevin's a very underrated director in my mind. Uh, he did the movie The Cellar. Uh, very never talked about film, and it's very well done. Uh it's, it came out for the first time on disc earlier this year, and it's probably one of the most underrated films I've seen in the last 10 years. It's pretty neat. Really? Yeah. Kevin does great work. It's just none, nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. yeah that's well, very, I can't read that's about very that. true. I've, Other I've than, never heard of The Cellar, and I thought I knew everything he did. I thought I yeah. seen everything he's done. Other than Demons and Witchboard. It's and, a weird folk like, horror type thing. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, it know, is. He's, 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 pretty well respected in the horror genre you know yeah absolutely and, uh, as far as i'm concerned if you're respected in the horror genre you should be respected everywhere <laughs> absolutely I, I know there's kind of a two-tiered system but it's like i always get people a lot of well i'm not really into horror and it's like yeah. okay do you like aliens yeah i like that horror there you go <laughs> yeah. do you like silence of the lambs yeah it's yeah. good horror. horror yeah it's like almost every thriller you see it's, it's really horror. They yeah. just call it a thriller because they don't want to yeah. call it horror. 
<laughs> every sci-fi you see is written on a horror structure. Yeah. Yes. In fact, if you go to the writer's store and you ask for, the, they have these seminars, right, that they, they sell. And it's like, uh, if you ask for the one on horror, it says how to write sci-fi and horror because they're the same structure. Yeah. And uh, horror is like everywhere, you know. The monster, the, the, the only thing in, in, a, in a lot of thrillers is the monster is a human. But it's still horror, mm -hmm. you know. And even I had to learn that lesson. I wasn't, you know, sure I wanted to do demons. I was a dramatic actor, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And um, my girlfriend at the time was like, "Are oh, you doing it?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm not so sure." She's like, "Yes, you are." <laughs> I remember the conversation vividly. That's all she kept saying to me. Yes, you are. <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and uh, it was funny because you know she showed up on the set one day to visit me. She knew everybody on the set. Oh. She knew everybody. She knew everybody in the makeup room. She knew Davis Lewis. She knew like everybody. It was crazy. I was like, why the hell am I here? you <laughs> 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 around. <laughs> but yeah, she, she had actually been in the industry a lot longer than I had at that point. So, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of awesome to me to hear your perspective of Kevin because, uh, and, and only because like, I, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of different directors over the years. And, and I have to say that I have to agree with you that, and, and I just even talked about this a little bit on the new 4k release in night of the demons, um, that all I remember about Kevin was that he had a very good demeanor mm -hmm. and he was never, he was never rude. He was always funny. He always tried to keep things light and everybody happy. Yeah. So I don't ever remember too much like, like even though there was stress and stuff, some stuff didn't work. And we had to redress stuff, and it, it never felt, it never felt like a bad thing. You know, it was always a good. Yeah. We were always having fun. You know. Well, that's the thing. Like I say, you know, a great director is is a calm leader. Yeah. You have to keep people calm to keep them working well. You know, not just actors, but everybody else on the set. Yeah. You know, if you start screaming and yelling and stomping your feet, <laughs> nobody works at a hundred percent. Because a, a part of their focus is on not making you mad anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, not not to out myself, but to to like, it's almost like when you're an abused child and your parents are yelling at you about something. What what do little kids do? They just shut down. Yeah, you know they're not really hearing what they did wrong. They're just they, you just shut down. Yeah, you exactly. can't you can't get past that. So it's it, again, working the solution, not the problem. Yeah. You become a great <laughs> man. You ever heard that term, the gray man? Yeah. That's what abused kids do. They become the gray man. Yeah. They try to become that entity that nobody sees. Yeah. And they yeah. call it the gray man. It's actually a technique they teach in the military. And mm -hmm. like the CIA, anybody who can be, um, you know, captured in war or whatever. Right. And they teach them this, this idea of shutting down all your energy so you don't draw people's attention. So you're the last guy to get tortured. Right. And uh, they call it the gray man. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what uh, abused children do. Yeah. Abused women, the same thing. Abused anybody, the same thing. Yeah. You just shut down. You try to hide your energy so nobody looks at you. Yeah, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. In that situation, it doesn't help you move forward and figure out what you did wrong. It just, you just shut yourself down so you're not. 
Well, the problem is if you're an abused child, odds are you didn't do anything wrong. Right. You know, you're just a, a scapegoat for anger that's got that's somewhere else. You sure. Know? Sure. But uh, yeah. So yeah, was, this that's kind of fun stuff. We all got to spend a get to spend a lot of time as actors dealing with is these kind of issues. You know. Yeah. Yes, but shifting gears from something sad to something a little bit more happy. What about Parks and Rec? <laughs> what about Parks and Rec? You appeared on an episode that says there. I did. Yeah. She's the funniest woman I've ever seen in my entire life. One of the funniest <laughs> human beings on the planet. I believe it. Amy Puller is one of the, oh, yeah, one of the best. We did. On that show, you did, like, a few takes, three or four. Mm-hmm. to get the script and then you did another 40 to let her do what she does <laughs> and i swear to god she never repeated herself once oh that's every cool. time it was absolutely hysterical wow <laughs> and she just went and went and went and we just shot it out and shot it out until she finally went okay i'm done <laughs> and it was just, i don't know how they chose the the edits they chose she was just yeah absolutely yeah. hysterical yeah it was that was a great job that was a great show to, to be a part of it that's awesome to sit you know when i'm when i'm ever almost always when i'm on any job unless i really got to bury my head in the material uh-huh. i'll just go hang around the set and i'll just watch what's happening you know and that's one where because of the way we're shooting it wasn't an imposition for me to just sit there the whole the whole day mm-hmm. and just watch everything that went on and it, it, they were again a really professional crew they've been doing it a long time by then so everybody knew their niche everybody knew what they were doing all the talent was just i mean they were all 100 percent. they were all so good and it was just a great it was a, i don't know i want to say it was only a day or two wow yeah we're in, in an airport mm. um i don't remember how long it lasted uh but yeah it was just it, it was an amazing time to be there. I really enjoyed it. I, you know, but the truth is, I enjoy almost everything I've ever done. I've only <laughs> been on one job that I didn't enjoy. One job that was actually horrific. I won't say what it is publicly, mm-hmm. but um, God, it was a horrible day. I've never, I've never been on a set that was so miserable in my life. Mm-hmm. In fact, the key grip was he—he he, he's already given it, turned in his to- notice. And he was going to go to Hawaii and work on another show. And he literally, every couple hours, would shout out the countdown. Ten days left until I leave this effing job and never have to see people again. <laughs> and, like, literally four or five times throughout the day, he just shouted that out. Wow. And, uh, yeah, That's... that was a, that, that was a rough gig to be in a, in a situation like that. But I'd never been in any other, on any other set like that. Um, sets of you. I mean, usually everybody's great because you, mm-hmm. if you're going to live with somebody for 20 hours a day, you hire the best person to hang out with, right? So, that's one of the reasons that people don't tend to be shitty on set <laughs> because yeah. people pick good people to be around, yeah, you know, and that's one of the reasons, you know, like it's like uh, to go back to acting, it's one of the reasons we should really appreciate when we get work yeah. because if you're on a feature that director is going to live with you for a year and a half yeah he's going to live with you through pre-production he's going to live with you during production and through post 
He's going to be looking at your face every day, thinking about you every day. Mm -hmm. Or she. Some of the some of the most popular directors I've worked with have been women, so I shouldn't use the term he. But they're going to look at you every day of your life, yeah, for the next mm -hmm. year and a half of their lives. And so you really, we really should appreciate when they make they pull the trigger on you, when they choose you, that really says something. Hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah. Again, I go back. I I just I love the people in this business. Um, I love the business. Like I said, one bad day out of I don't know how many hundreds of days, thousands of days now. Yeah, because you're you, had one bad day in my entire life here. Yeah. You've done quite a few things. And and circling back on that, like you were talking earlier about, you know, liking film versus television. But I think that like I've I've done a little bit of both, but what I've found is just that television to me is so much more hectic. There's so much more prep time, in my opinion, for film than for any kind of series or television or the for it's sure. just such a crazy and and like not that not that I don't know how to do my my part of it, but for yeah. actors like looking at you as an actor and and having to jump into those roles, it's like you don't have the kind of prep time that you would on a film. So no, you get a lot more time like, on a film. That's true. Yeah. So um, it, so it I, I've always kind the of been in one. I like film more. I mean, that's one reason is because you get more time to work. But the only reason I said I like film more is because. I've had longer film jobs and TV jobs. Right. TV usually in and out in a couple of weeks, you know, or a week or a day, you know. Right. Whereas film, right. if you got a decent role, you're going to be there for a month, two months, whatever. Um, well, and so <laughs> that'll pay you for the entire year. Whereas yeah. TV pays you for a month or two. Yeah. Well, what's most interesting about that is like I, uh, we had uh, my friend John Tag on, and he did some soap opera stuff, and I just, I thought it was really interesting that he was like, oh no, we didn't know anything. They just hand hand us our lines, and it's, it's live to tape, but you don't really get prep time. You just get here's your lines. They change yeah. them several times, and it's it's got to be really hard to just jump right into that and not really have a lot of prep, you know. But you run into that, you know everywhere sure. film television sure. you show up in the morning you're like here's the new pages huh? yeah what yeah i spent how how long working on this stuff yeah you, you have, have to be pretty resilient you have to but be pretty thing, resilient you know, once you, i'm sorry go ahead no i was just saying you have to be pretty resilient to to be able to deal with that because it's constant change but the, the, the thing is once you know the character and have kind of built the parameters of everything you're doing mm -hmm. changing it isn't that tough right you know, it really isn't because you're just putting new conditions on the same character. Yeah. You know, and theoretically, you should have that character built enough that you, you can, under, and like for me, any aspect of his life, I'm going to understand already. Sure. Because I've already done that work, you know. And so if you throw new dialogue at me, it's still the yeah, same not person. A, not, not a big deal. You're just taking it a different direction. And if, if it's a lot, yeah, it's hard, you know, but. It's, it's it's not murder but right. also too in film and television we tend to work in 30 seconds to three minute snatches you know <laughs> it's not like you're walking on stage and doing a 90 minute play right you know so if you blow one take because you didn't remember two words well you'll get it on the next take. yeah know? yeah of course gotcha. the director might hate you <laughs> <laughs> sure so so kind of Wrapping this up a little bit, uh, or starting to wrap it up, um, 
what kinds of what kind of advice would you give if you know if if our listeners wanted to become an actor or they feel driven to do so? I told you, go to computer school. <laughs> That's where the money is these days. We're robotics. That's another good one. Yeah. And it's not that hard to be a robotics mechanic. You know, <laughs> a little bit of hydraulics. You know, it's not that tough. No, what 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 advice I would give is study. Study because you're gonna end up studying for the rest of your life. You don't learn this stuff in a year or two or three. You know, you're gonna you you spend your entire life studying and working. Steady, 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 and do theater. Everywhere you live, there's local theater. There's theater in school, there's theater, you know, there's local theater, community theater, there's regional theater. Get on stage as much as you can and steady, steady, steady. And that's it. That's the best, that's the best start right there. Yeah. And then, you know, when you come to LA, sell your soul at the door <laughs> and you might get lucky. You kind of do, in a, I mean, that's, that's like a nasty way to say it, but you kind of do have to sell yourself. You have to mm -hmm. give yourself over to this as a career. Mm -hmm. You got to give yourself over to it, you know? I know it's like uh, kind of a stereotype, the whole, all you care about is, you know, whatever your career is. But if you're going to be, if you're going to be great at anything, you kind of have to give up a lot of the rest of it. Right. You know, to, to, to excel. And I, I mean, that could be just be, if you want to be a captain of industry, where are you going to be 80 hours a week? You're going to be in your office, you know, you don't, the, 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 you know, you don't, you don't make half a billion dollars a year not working. Yeah. I suppose that's true with just about any vocation, right? Exactly. That's my point. You know, and if, if you want to be a great artist, you know, which hopefully we all want to be, we're all striving to be whether we get there or not, you got to put the time in. I've always said there's, there's nothing to success like not quitting. Yeah. Put in the time, just give it the time, keep working, keep working. You know, maybe you're not going to be, Brad Pitt or George Clooney. But you know, you're gonna have a fulfilling life if you work hard enough and, and make it work. And and you'll and, get knocked down a lot, but you just gotta dust yourself off, get back up and move forward, right? That's part of the fulfillment. You know what I mean? You get knocked down 20 times and then it works once. Yeah. And it makes all those 20 times worth it. You know, it's like door-to-door -door salesmen. You know, salesmen have this saying, it's like, I wanna get to the no quicker than the yes. Because I know if you're not going to buy, I send you away and I go to the next door. Yep. You know, because I'm trying to get to that yes. But I need to get to the no first. And it's the same way, you know, it's the same thing with us. We're salesmen. When we go in every day auditioning, we're selling ourselves. We're selling our craft. And you got to get through the no's to get to the yeses. Yeah. And at some point, the yeses out, outnumber the no's. And it, it starts to get sweet, you know, and that's really all I can tell you, you know. Um, I remember one time I was cleaning out my car early in my career and uh, my wife was with me and I was pulling crap out of the out of the trunk. And I used to always just throw my sides in the trunk when I was done with an audition. You had a lot of junk in your trunk. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I still do. Trust me. It's just more wobbly now. <laughs> and uh i was pulling out these sides sets of sides which is the script you get to audition with and i and i was like i started making a pile book that didn't book that book that didn't book that 
And the booking pile was like two inches high. And the didn't book top pile wasn't even a half inch high. Right. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm doing something right. You know, everything I pulled out of that trunk, almost I booked. That's awesome. Maybe I just crumple up the ones I didn't book and threw them away. I don't remember. <laughs> but I do remember there was like, that was really a visual of, you know, the work pays off. You just have yeah. to do the work. And you have sure. to put the time into it. And, you know, it's like on average for TV, even for film on average, you know, it's, it's not, it's true for film. But on average for TV, we get three days to work with material to audition. And my opinion is you work all those three days. You spend every minute of those three days working. That's sure. it. You don't, you don't go to a movie. You don't go on a date. You work. And when you walk in on that fourth day to audition, used to be we had to show up, you're going to be great. Because they only give you generally one to three scenes. Sometimes they're crazy. But you have one to three scenes and you have three days to work it out. Right. You're going to be fantastic if you put in 76 hours or 78 hours, whatever. Very true. You're going to be fantastic. But you have to put in that work. If you put in an hour a day, you're going to be mediocre at best. Right. You know, so you put in the time. I like you. How long have you had to spend just sketching and drawing and creating to get to the point you can build like those masks you built? <laughs> for that you know how long does it take to develop the skill to do that how many decades oh i'm that still learning overnight <laughs> i'm still learning there's people that can sculpt circles around me but still you know to me it's always a a growing thing you know and it never it's not you know i don't know and i think growing as an artist you never master anything if you're really a true artist you're constantly learning new things Exactly. Yep. That's what I was just saying. You know, you're constantly learning. You're constantly working at it. Always studying. Always finding the. You know, I've got a whole stack of acting books over there. I keep reading all the time. New teachers that I never knew wrote a book that I find them online, and I'll I'll just buy it. Actually, what I'll do is, and this is a good hint for everybody, because an acting book is going to cost you twenty five bucks on Amazon. But if you go to the used bookstores, once you find the title, you can get it for five bucks, seven bucks. So for that 25 bucks, you can get five or six books. Now, your first acting books should be Stanislavski's acting books. And they are creating character, um, an actor prepares, and um, ah, what's the third one? An actor prepares, creating character, uh, building a role, creating a role. I can't remember the third title. But they're the three standards of Stanislavski. Those should be the first books you, you buy. And they're great because they're not really dry tomes about this is what you do and here's lessons. They're actually written from the aspect, uh, the first two are, of uh, a student that goes to the Moscow Art Theater to study. And it's kind of his diary. And so it's kind of a creative way to give you the technique. But, uh, yeah, anyway, go back to that. Go back to falling on the master again. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Hal. We, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, same here, man. I, I love your brother, and um, I, I look forward to the next time we get to hang out together. You bet. I love you back, and uh, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. TJ, I got it right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, thank you guys very much. I appreciate it, and, uh, you know, it was a pleasure. And hopefully Absolutely. we'll see you on another show soon. 
And yeah, thank you for joining us on our season premiere of Hypodermic. And of course, all you listeners out here, thank you for joining us on our season premiere as well. And we will be back later this season with plenty more episodes, lots more ALF related stuff, I hope. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be a wild ride this season. So just stick <laughs> along, listen, tune in, watch, do whatever you need to do. We're going to be available on all platforms as always. And of course on projectlouder.net. This has been the pod boss, TJ Bowser signing off. That is the maestro of mayhem, Nick Benson. And that is Hal Havens. 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 Hal Havens. That one guy <laughs> from that one thing that you may know. Have a good day. <laughs>